0: Welcome to 8020 with Pareto Health. I'm Andrew Cavanaugh.
1: And I'm Andrew Clayton.
0: On each of our podcast episodes, we try to do three different sections. The first is sharing a little bit of knowledge, um, then an interview uh, with a, what we think of as a special guest. And then we always end with so you know they're a knucklehead when, uh, which is our chance to poke a little fun that's something that we see in the industry. So today's knowledge is going to be incredibly simple, but it's incredibly important. And most of the episode today is focused around um, RX prescription drug cost, PBMs, et cetera. And so the knowledge that we want to make sure that everybody has is really just around the enormity or the gravity of the situation. If you look at a mid-sized employer, you know, 100 to 300 employees, whatever you want to define that as, and you look at their total spend on healthcare, um, call that a million bucks. I, I think that most employers would not off the top of their head know that 25 to 30% of that cost is attributable to drugs. And so it's a massive number, uh, which makes it incredibly important. And what makes it even more important is that that 25 to 30% of the total cost is growing faster than everything else. And there are some estimates that it reaches 50% within the next three to four years. And it's not uh, it's not because the the medical side is shrinking. It's just that the drug side is going to grow so much faster uh, that it will consume a bigger and bigger percentage of the dollars. And the dollars, in absolute sense, will continue to get larger. So knowledge piece today, again, incredibly simple. It's just the enormity of the cost of drugs for an employer's health care plan. <music> On each of our episodes... We like to interview what we think of as a special guest, somebody that uh, is knowledgeable about the industry. And today, uh, we are thrilled to have Jake Friends from Smith RX. Um, Jake's the CEO and founder. Uh, Jake, welcome to the show. Thrilled to have you. Thank you, Kev. Appreciate it.
1: So, uh, Smith RX, where's the name Smith come from?
0: You
2: know, it, it's very hard to name a company, but Smith is a craftsman, someone who is precise about their trade. And I think that precision is absolutely lacking in the pharmacy benefit space. And we bring that to, to the market. And I also love the anonymity of it. Everyone knows someone named Smith and uh, it takes on the ethos of the company. So it just fits really well. And and over time, over the last seven years, it, it's I've been proving that uh, it's a good name.
1: Anonymity and, Try and that. ethos. Let's do it one more time. Right? And, right. Anonymity and ethos. All right. Yeah. You're, you're upgrading the uh, the vocabulary here on on the 8020. Well done.
0: At least on a Friday. We used to read a book to the kids that had a C anemone, an I think. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just could not get through that book. Like I could not say that word. So I think I just said it correctly there that we're close to it. So you're bringing us up already, uh, Jake. How did you, uh, how'd you get in the business? How'd you, how and why did you start Smith? You know, I, I got out
2: of the Marine Corps and uh, I got into healthcare and spent a long time at Anthem, uh, helped start a third-party administrator. So I understood the medical side of the business very well and, and the overall nuts and bolts of, of how healthcare plans and, and payers operate. But uh, when I looked at the drug side of the benefit, which is 25 to 30% of the spend. You know, it was just confounding to me. And and I came to realize that it I believe that it's the biggest problem in US healthcare for inefficiencies and, and rising rising healthcare costs. And so I just saw it as a a big problem, the biggest to attack. And uh, I didn't see any product differentiation among the big three pharmacy benefit managers out there and and an ability to make a big difference.
1: As the leader, you have so much opportunity in front of you as you said there's there's yeah, so much that can be improved upon within the the pharmacy space. How do you manage your day-to-day vision of what's right in front of me, the low-hanging fruit, as well as looking out 18 to 36 months and, and where you want to change things as you go forward?
2: That's a great question because I think that this is healthcare. You have to execute. Every single day, I think about execution, how, how to deliver for our current clients and, and how to grow and, and deliver value for, for future prospects. Uh, I think that needs to be at the forefront. Longer term from a strategic standpoint, sure. I mean, we, we all have those, those visionary conversations and we put a lot of time and effort into thinking about how we continue to move the market and create a new market category. But uh, I think this is healthcare. It's, it's blocking and tackling. You got to deliver for those patients, uh, which I think get left behind
0: so often in the system. Yeah, it's hard because it's tempting to try to boil the ocean. Right, there's so many opportunities, um, and and we could all spend our time boiling the ocean. And yet, um, you guys have done a great job at not doing that, just staying focused and delivering value short term while still thinking about the longer term.
2: Yeah, I could say the same, same thing about Pareto. I, you know, I think that both both of our organizations are attacking huge deficiencies in the market. We're delivering enormous value where you know there's not a lot of solutions or good solutions that are out there holistic, and and I think that's all based upon day-to-day execution. You have to be able to deliver and, and be able to
0: expand. One of the questions I love to ask all of our guests is when you're at a cocktail party, how do you explain, someone says, what do you do? What's, what's your answer? I'm a drug dealer. I, I'm sure you,
2: yeah, I'm sure you guys love saying that, oh, I, I have a captive organization right. called Pareto. Like this is, right. <laughs> everyone, everyone just really leans into that conversation at a cocktail party. Oh, tell me more, please.
0: Um, I often find myself alone at cocktail parties.
2: I think I've heard that one before. Yeah, I was going to say, right, yeah. Sorry, that, yeah that's, <laughs> what he does isn't the,
1: uh, the reason. Yeah.
2: It, you know, I, I tell people I'm in healthcare and, and that we're, we're focused on drug spending in the United States and try to how, how to figure out how to drive a different pathway forward. Um, I keep it more high level because I think everyone knows that there's there's issues with drug spending in the United States. You know, it's been increasing at a rate that far outstrips any other component of the healthcare spend. And, you know, I don't see an end to it. And I don't think many others do either. So I think it's trying to resonate around that. It's a kind of a known truth that we've got a big problem here. and That's what I'm trying to solve is something that uh, I I just keep it high level. PBM is not sexy.
0: So let's, we can agree on that. Let's assume the person you're talking to leans a little bit, leans in a little bit, right? Wants to talk to you more. Um, So it's sort of the anti-Kavanaugh feeling. They want to continue the conversation. And really from two perspective, what is it that you would like them to know First, as an individual, as a patient, and then maybe second, if it's the you know CEO of a mid-sized employer. I think that
2: uh, from a patient perspective, trying to see through just the frustration getting getting their drug, I think that that access point and the cost piece are most uh, salient for for an individual. Uh, my mom, you know, she's a transplant patient, and uh, she was a nurse anesthetist for thirty five years, and she's incredibly frustrated about getting her drugs. she's in retirement and she still doesn't take vacations today when she knows she's going to get drug shipment. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, the level of frustration just for access and cost, that's something that I, I wish people paid a lot more attention to, especially for, you know, higher cost medications that are correlated to the sicker patients or people in our, in our country. So I think that's, that's that's one thing from the patient standpoint, from a, an industry standpoint, uh, you know, I think more and more, especially over the last three, three to five years. People have started to realize the role that pharmacy benefit managers, these middlemen play in, in the healthcare ecosystem. I mean, again, 25 to 30% of the, the healthcare spend. And I think that they're they're one of the big driving factors around rising US healthcare costs. And I think people should really ask a lot of questions about that. You know, where a middleman can charge more for a drug or their service and they make more money. I mean, it's a very misaligned business model. And if they can, we can communicate that out, I think people... Start realizing the, the issues that we have in, in U.S. healthcare.
1: And as you think about pulling back the curtain, let's just you get called to Capitol Hill, and they say, "All right, Jake, you get the opportunity to do one, two, three things to to help fix Rx." What are the the big levers that you're that you're pulling?
2: You know, I, I love the transparency line. I think it makes sense. It resonates to people. Why not tell people how much drugs cost and and you know being able to fo- follow the flow of cash flow. However, I I think we need to continue to drive after that. I, I want more meaningful legislation uh, across US healthcare, especially in the pharmacy benefit space that, that's enforced. So, I mean, that, that's one of my biggest driving, I, I'd say, initiatives, just to put that at the forefront and say everything should be transparent, but let's, let's align incentives here and and uh, try to figure out a better model going forward. But it's US healthcare. You know, we, we've been on this runaway train for, for decades. And, and it's not going to stop. You know, if anyone think, no, it's going to be, you know, companies like Pareto and Smith that are delivering outsized value against the status quo and these incumbents, no stops. <laughs> we're going to make the difference. It's not going to be, I, I think, legislators. I, I champion them and I, and I think that their inquiries and everything they can do to help drive change is great. But I think it's going to be bottoms up here of us making a difference at a more of a grassroots
0: level. Um, it's the small to mid-sized employer that's actually going to lead the change because it's easy for them to be innovative. It's tough for IBM, for Comcast, et cetera, to be nimble and make these big changes. And so it's our clients, your clients, I think, that really really will lead the revolution. 100%. Think about the tens of thousands of, of small businesses in the United States
2: that are 100 to 300 employees. You know, I, I think those are most, the most uh, underserved, disadvantaged companies when it comes to uh, U.S. healthcare options. And I think that's who we're focused on. We want to make a difference there, and and the difference is outsized. The value that Prado and Smith can drive from a cost saving or access standpoint is is really it, it's game changing.
1: So you take the that midsize employer. What percentage do you think they know today of what they could know, and then a smaller subset. What percentage do they know of what they they should know? And and maybe you can apply the same thing to the brokerage world too, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I, I think they probably know five percent of what they could and and of what they should know maybe 30 or 40%. But I think that, you know, they they're just in a tough position. You know, HR benefit managers and CFOs, this is not their full-time job to figure out their their healthcare spending, even though it's one of their biggest P&L line items, right? And and you know, they're just they're told, I think I wouldn't say untruths, but they're misled in a
0: lot of ways around Around right. uh, There's th- a lot th- of look over here, right? Yeah. It's look, totally. look at the shiny, sparkly thing, and yeah. don't look over the, here. The, There's the, nothing to see here.
1: The eloquent analogy I use is mushroom farming, right? Let's let's keep it in the dark and keep fertilizing the hell out of it.
2: Yeah. It's us healthcare again, runaway train. I mean, if if uh, they they were delivering value, they'd be singing it from the the rooftops and leafleting the countryside. They're having to take that bright, shiny object and say, "Hey, this is the party line that we've been telling you." for 5, 10, 20 years, just keep believing that. And they're just ingraining that. You got to step back and realize that we're we're, we're just not in a good spot. We have to take control. And that's where this small, medium businesses in the United States, they're starting to do that. And that's exciting.
0: Let's change gears a little bit. You are subject matter expert, great partner of ours. And we're talking sort of the the media end of the, the PBM and healthcare delivery system. But we also always want our our listeners, all two of them, to get a feel for who you are. Hi, mom. A couple of who jakes are questions. Best Beethoven symphony and why? Seventh and ninth. Uh, Seventh and I'm just trying to jam. It can get you just
2: like hyper-focused and it's just amazing. But if you really want to be bombastic, the ninth will just set you off.
0: Yeah. So Clayton, you missed the dinner. You were probably happy.
2: Go ahead. No, no. I was going to ask you, you got to respond. What's your favorite uh, Beethoven symphony
0: and why? I, I'd go nine for the same reason. Nine. Like the, the, the end of that is spectacular, maybe the best piece of music ever written. Um, but I also like the fifth, um, which is the dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, uh, one that starts yeah. that way. Um, and then every time I listen to that, I also think that our Star Spangled Banner was ripped off uh, from Beethoven. Uh, That's <laughs> one, one note different. So uh, you, You're expanding the audience base right now, Kev. You're just... <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the, the We've now got three, right? Yeah. Love If it. we can't solve healthcare, we're going to talk symphonies. Clayton's, what's yours?
1: So I played the fifth, uh, not not I'm, I, I actually played the fifth. Oh, I thought you were going to um, play the fifth. Every Saturday, played the fifth, yeah. I, I played the fifth every Saturday morning for probably seven years in a row. And my brother came home from college. My mom was insistent that I learned to play the piano. Uh, and he came home from enjoying himself a little bit too much the night before. And at 11 in the morning, opened his dorm and said, Learn another bleeping song, and thankfully that was the end of my piano days. My mom finally caved in and gave. So it.
2: you were actually playing on the piano, the fifth.
1: I was playing the That's piano. That's super fifth. impressive, yes. Clayton. Hor- hor-
2: horribly, horribly. I, mind I, you. I see but a sideshow yes, at, at the, the members' meeting—an attention Absolutely. grabber. Absolutely, <laughs> we, we got to have him on all stage. All we need right? is a keyboard and maybe <laughs> yeah, a baby right. grand well, up there. Ah, oh, man, bring down the house.
1: I, I'm, I'm close. I'm closer to uh, Tom Hanks and, and Big and Chopsticks these days. That's that's more of my set. You would set. bring
2: down the house either way,
0: right? Sitting down at the piano with the tails that he flips back over the seat and then plays <laughs> that. Like I can't. We, we got to do this.
1: Jake also happens to be the uh, best skier I've ever I've ever skied with. You go about a buck thirty five, so it's a little bit easier to to hop down the mountain like a plinko board um, than than Cavill and I pushing around our.
2: You know, guys, so I, my response to that is I just like spending time with you on the hill. You know, I think my left leg weighs
0: 135. So
1: I think you were born at altitude. Yeah, we all get down and, and Jake's like chatting us, asking us questions. Please stop. You know, I <laughs> I don't feel us, any, too any more energy
2: recover. than when I'm up in the mountains with, with, with friends. You know, it's just such a great feeling, the, the fresh air and, and being up there. It doesn't matter how fast you ski. It's just that you're spending time with people outside and it's fantastic.
0: Well, as you know, you know, we've done a bunch of work meetings centered around skiing in our industry, you know, insurance, healthcare, et cetera, you know, the golf, the golf outing is so prevalent and it drives me nuts, A, because I'm a terrible golfer, Um, but you spend five hours with three people. And 50% of the conversations is like, oh, you're away. Oh, nice shot. Even if it's a lousy shot, right? You don't actually talk about anything. And then skiing, you get that 10 to 15 minutes on the chairlift. You can have a real conversation and you get to change chairs every time. So you don't have to get stuck with Clayton, uh, listening to him talk about golf. So it's, you, it's, you don't have to convince it's, me. It's been good. Kev. I, 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 I,
2: I hate golf. I don't golf. I, I, I'll, I'll ski or go on outdoor adventures every day of the week, fly fishing, you know, wh- wherever it is, just, just let me know.
0: Well, Jake, we appreciate you being here. We always like to give you a chance um, to give us your view of a knucklehead. That's the segment that we'll end with in just a second, which is, you know, they're a knucklehead when, and we try not to name names, but we make fun of people or, or companies for doing stupid stuff in the industry. So free shot. You have anyone that you'd like to, uh, uh, any concept that you'd like to throw out as a knucklehead? Taking
2: shots is always dangerous, but... but
0: yeah, no, no names.
2: When consultant brokers or, or employers just make blindsided decisions where they have blinders on and they don't ask questions and take control of the situation. I, I think that's a knucklehead move. I think that that's changing. I think it, it has to change and small employers, small, medium employers are figuring that out. But I, I think that that's a, a knucklehead move. Before we let you out of here, yeah.
1: any big predictions for two or three years down the road about what we're likely to see on the pharmacy side?
2: Uh, I don't expect any government regulation to make an impact. I think U.S. healthcare doesn't change fast, and you can expect us to continue to move in the same direction without not a lot of systemic change. Uh, but I do think that smaller, fast growth companies like Pareto or Smith and others are going to start making a bigger and bigger impact because, as Cab said, the small and medium businesses are are making making changes. They're making waves.
1: Jake, curious your uh, your thoughts on international sourcing of, of drugs and what the, the role is today and how you see that impacting the the market as you go forward?
2: I think there are a lot of lanes available to to get access and pay a lower cost for drugs in the United States. International sourcing is one of those lanes. I think that it, it's fairly well accepted today. And I think that will continue going forward. There's been a lot of to- talk on the Hill and, and for multiple presidents that international sourcing should be opened up further. And I think that that will happen. It's only a matter of time.
0: Awesome. Jake, thanks for coming today. You mentioned earlier time in the Marine Corps. So also thank you for your service. Thrilled to have you as a partner. I'm proud to be a a part of Pareto and and this is just great. You know, however we can support change. I I love, you know, I'm in it. Likewise. Look forward to seeing you on the slopes. Yeah. Keep fighting the fight. Training,
1: train, training daily. Yeah. I'm up, I'm up to 1200 steps a day.
2: (laughs) That's an accomplishment. Baby steps. You know, we all have to have those goals in our lives.
0: And now for the last segment of our episode, the one that everyone has been waiting for, because this is the place where Clayton or I, but typically Clayton, put our foot in our mouth. So get ready for, you know, they're a knucklehead win.
1: Today we're going to talk a little bit about the approach that some brokers take in how they build relationships and advise employers. Um, and Kav, my my experience is that you have a broker that really leans in with their original point of relationship um and does a poor job of extending or expanding that to the rest of the, the rest of the business and so just as an example if someone is working their way into relationships or develops it through hr oftentimes they spend 80 to 90 percent of their of their advice counsel and really research working with hr but not extending it out to the finance or to executive leadership. And HR is often overburdened and thinking in a tactical sense of how do I get the plan implemented, how do I get the communication out, and sometimes not thinking out what's gonna what's the plan and what should we want it to be over the next, you know, eighteen to to, to thirty six months.
0: Yeah, lots to unpack in that statement, but I but I agree with you. Uh, and so let's start by um, looking at the l- looking at some of the definitions for our listeners. So we talk about brokers and we talk about consultants within Pareto Health. And the broker is the person that puts together a spreadsheet, gets a bunch of quotes and brings donuts and once a year gives you a renewal. And a consultant is just that, somebody who's um, thinking and, and providing advice. And we try to discern between those two. So just that sort of semantics for for the listeners. But when I think about the, the brokers, um, if you ask them, it's a relationship business right this is a relationship business and i think that's one of the things that's flawed is that yes relationships are important right we're talking about people but there's also you know intellectual uh, prowess that needs to be delivered there's there's value that has to come more than taking someone golfing remembering birthdays bringing donuts and so i think that's the first thing that the industry misses is that we need we need to deliver value
1: we Elevate the folks we partner with, to consultants, because they are true advisors. That they get to know the employer, get to know their their wants, their needs, um, and aren't simply just providing a transactional service that the rest of the industry can provide. They just happen to do a better job of bringing in the right donuts or eclairs to to win the relationship over. We have spent time with our consultants talking about the the triangle of leadership or decision making within within a company, and if you think about the the virtual triangle. At one point, you have HR, administration, execution, blocking, attacking. On the other point, you have finance, which depending on the circumstances of the company and also the the skill set of the individuals are looking on a budgetary basis at 12 months or potentially as long as two or three years out. Um, and the last point on the triangle is the executive, the CEO, the president that's saying, I really need to focus on what we're doing from a visionary and from a cultural standpoint. And if you bring them three different options of what they should do to to manage and finance and control risk on their on their health plan, one being Blue Cross, one being a you know simplified level funded, and the other one being uh, self insured where they have more access and control, you're probably going to get three different preferences or three different answers.
0: As you know, one of the questions I love asking an employer is, are you where you are today relative to your benefits because of A, um, a three to five year strategic plan that you put together and you're executing on, or B, because of a series of reactions to premium increases at the end of the year? And we all know the answer, right? That's why we ask the question uh, that the vast majority of employers are, are uh, what I think of as staring at their feet and they get frustrated that they're walking into walls um, as opposed to they've picked up their head. And they've decided where they want to go and they chart the path. And I I think that's, you know, uh, that sort of comes down for me. Is is there a long-term plan and we can execute, we can decide what's this year, next year, and so, you know, now, next, future uh, sort of mentality. Uh, But is there a plan? And so often there's not.
1: No, and you think about if there's no plan, I am a big believer that self-preservation is a big source of motivation. But it shocks me that the brokers can't get their head around, if I have a strong relationship with one of the individuals within the triangle, somebody else can have a stronger relationship with one of the others. And depending on power, deferral of decision-making process, those relationships can often trump what's existing, as opposed to saying, it's in my own best interest, not only interest of the client, but to develop a relationship where where we have a collaborative environment and we're making the right decision um, as part of this collective decision-making process.
0: Yep. So let's summarize it. What's the what's the knucklehead statement in a nutshell? Knuckleheads? St- you know they're a knucklehead when?
1: When they are a relationship, backslapping, donut donut-delivering, golf-tea-making individual that doesn't go beyond an, an inch deep relative to strategy, relative to relationship, and relative to consensus on what's best for the
0: company. That's a mouthful, but I'm with you 100%.
2: Thanks for listening to today's episode of 8020 with Pareto Health. We love hearing from you. If you have a question or an episode suggestion, please drop us an email at 8020 at ParetoHealth.com. That's 8020 at ParetoHealth.com. Dive deeper into 8020 by visiting us at ParetoHealth.com slash podcast. Lastly, make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss an episode.